This is the Wedding Strength Podcast brought to you by WeddingStrength.com and WeddingStrengthMedia.com. For custom equipment, apparel, personal training, and seminar information, visit WeddingStrength.com. To purchase any of Matt's training manuals or digital seminars and video training guides, visit WeddingStrengthMedia.com. Welcome back to the Wedding Strength Podcast coming to you from Columbus, Ohio. Once again, we are here and we have the legend. Flex Wheeler and Matt, take it away. Yeah, man. I mean, this is one of the biggest podcasts I've ever wanted to do. Um, <laughs> Been talking about it for a while. A, a long five years, easy. Really? So, so we appreciate have you coming friend. in, no, man. Pleasure to have you. Um, as I said off camera, I watch a lot of your training videos, and man, what I get really just just hooked on, like, man, you have some banging ass music going on. <laughs> I'm like, this guy is like, he's different than what he looks and appears. I mean, he rides uh-huh. a badass bike, you know, his badass old school, old school car, and then he's bumping Ice Cube. I'm like, and too short and all this yep. that. I'm like, God dang. Yeah, we were Too short should go yeah. too. Too short. I mean, the one. thing of it was is that maybe it's just that generation I grew up in, you know. Uh, yeah. I was in high school in the early 90s, and uh, to me, like, even being a white kid from Indiana, when I wanted to go in and train, I wanted heavy rap. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it spoke to me better, but, you know. I you know I mean either have heavy rap or or heavy um um you know like Iron Maiden or yeah. something like that it just you yeah. don't want no Twilight Twinkle no. Toe stuff on there you know freaking on the and, Bee Gees or something no shit. and when I first started training <laughs> you know they uh, I lifted at a local YMCA and they were playing the most worst shit you could possibly oh, imagine gym music then, is the worst you know your walkie your Walkmans were so awkward yeah. Yeah, that you just they, couldn't wear them, so yeah. you're just like, fuck it, right? Yeah, you have no choice. Just block it out and get a good training. And yeah. Get when I was lifting in high school, they would bump country music, which oh, is like damn. the the opposite of what you want damn. when you're yeah. lifting. Just the other do big it. thing is, too, and I you know, wanted to get into that with you, is you know, I um, my dad died when I was 13, but I never realized how poor I grew up until I got older. And it's not because my mom didn't have a good job, but my mm-hmm. sister was born with her heart backwards. Oh. So she's had three open-heart surgeries, and my mom's had to deal with a lot of medical bills. And got um, insurance was different than it is now. Yeah, it's you know it just chew, I just chewed my mom a new ass, and I, when I was a kid, I didn't realize you know until you get older how poor you grew up. <laughs> you chewed and uh, so the low rider scene and the the I always I guess I was a kid stuck in Indiana that wanted to be in L.A. Mm. You know what I mean? Wow. And wow. Uh, so I I wanted to talk with you about kind of where you grew up, and um, I know you grew up in Cali, and um, kind of how that started to transition you into one of the top bodybuilders to ever live. You know, um, you know I grew up in Fresno, uh, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say the joke, it's a good place to be from and no longer there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, you know, a lot of, it was a rough times, you know. It was rough times. Fresno is a uh, very uh, racial uh, charged uh, area. Um, back then, um, the police department was really, you know, racial and corrupt, even though I became an officer because yeah. I, I always understood that um, they don't define the police department. Mm-hmm. And even now, you know, you hear all the things and you see all the things, you know, now because of, you know, the internet and phones, but I still understand that they don't define the police yep. department. It's one of the yep. most honorable things you can do when people are running, you know, from a problem, they're running to it, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, people are cussing them out, but as soon as something goes wrong, they're calling them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the true meaning of the police department and what I want to be a part of. Yeah. Know, even though I've seen the racial part, but um, would you say that growing up there? I mean, for people in the Midwest and like where I grew up, all we had to go off of that was is like watching the Compton 
riots, watching the L.A. police in the in the early '90s and '80s. Was that kind of the well, that in action, the, yeah, in in the action movies that ta- taught us it was a oh, war yeah. zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was more in L.A., but I, I bear witness to it because, you know. Is that the feel, though, that wasn't yeah, Fresno? Yeah, because, you know, what Fresno was like a, a um, what do we call it, um, a smaller town that mimics bigger problems. So okay. they end up making it worse in that small area, you uh-huh. know, at least in, in, um, in L.A., there's certain areas you just don't go to. I mean, still now, there's certain areas mm-hmm. I would not step my ass into. Yeah. Fresno is so much smaller that it just spills over everywhere. Yeah. And um, it wasn't just uh, black gangs or Mexican gangs. We had Laotian gangs because once the uh, foreigners start coming in, you know, mm-hmm. when you come from a different country, you know, and I've always realized that from going like to Russia and Ukraine back in the days. Yeah. Someone gets shot or stabbed. People just can continue moving. They're like, oh, my gosh, call the police. The police ain't showing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They just kind of scoot around and just walk like I didn't see nothing. It's like everybody's, everybody's individual problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they don't touch it. So, you know, it got really out of hand when a lot of the Laosians started moving into the black neighborhoods. And they literally just took over. Mm-hmm. So in carjacking, normally you walk up to a guy, get up. You know, you give him an opportunity before you shoot him. Yep. What they would do is they'd have a car parked in front. You know, uh, so it'd have a lead car. He'd pull in front of you at a light. Another car pull up behind you. So the light turns, you know, green. Blocked you. Blocked you, and you're mad. So you get out of your car. Next thing you know, there's some guy underneath their car cutting your Achilles heels and leaving you on the ground, and they taking the car. Didn't um, even give you an opportunity to say, hey, man, I'll give it up. You know, here's my wallet. ATM's right here. Yeah. You know, so um, it was it was, um, it was was rough, but there was a lot of great athletes um, that came from Fresno also. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give us... Give us some names that... You know what, um, for me, um, Charlie Young was the first person I ever heard of. He played for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and I graduated from a school called Edison okay. on a west side, you know, predominantly black school, which interesting now is predominantly all white. <laughs> that used to be the ghetto, right? Yeah. Um, so I remember going to a school assembly back when he, we used to have those. Mm-hmm. And a speaker came, and here this guy is. And I mean, at the time, you know, I didn't know what I was going to be. I was super small, super skinny. Yeah, I've seen pictures. You know, dyslexic, so a very you know difficult time learning. You know, mm-hmm. back then they didn't know what dyslexia. Yeah, was. they didn't really know. So if they you just had considered us stupid. Yeah, like yeah they just see. I think we're an idiot. So what I would do is I would just, you know, flip the teeper, teacher off immediately or cuss her out. Now you don't know that I can't spell or I can't read. You just kick me out or I get a paddling. So I just kind of learned that it's better just to get in trouble than to expose myself and be teased. Yeah, you know, for the rest of the did the teasing year. or any of those any of those other factors start to make you want to be bigger and more muscular? No, not at all. It just made me angry. So I was already in martial arts. I started martial arts when I was about seven. And I uh, noticed that I know that you've, I've seen, and even when you were in your prime. Your flexibility was yeah because I started so as a kid you're flexible anyway unlike kids now I don't get it you know how yeah. could you be like seven and stiff I just don't make no sense but yeah um, I so, think the big thing is mine was the first generation and I'm a little bit younger than you that video games never replaced mm-hmm. playing outside mm-hmm. but your generation you no, guys didn't even have that my shit. mother were like get outside and go yeah. play get out of the house like <laughs> I think that's probably the reason yeah just get out of the house and be back before the light street lights come on or mm-hmm. else you know you're gonna get it so. Um, so I I started, you know, fighting when I was really young and I got super, super good, you mm-hmm. know, at an early age, but I was just timid, so I wouldn't fight in school, you know. So you know, the bullies would bully me and all this, I'd get beat up and I just couldn't bring myself to hitting a person and I've said it a billion times, it was even in even in um junior high when I was in a shower and this bully literally peed on me mm-hmm. in the shower. 
Whoa. And I kind of just looked around like, you know, well, nobody's seen it. Fuck, I'm in a shower, you know, no, no reason of taking an ass whoop and I'll just, just wash myself off. Yeah. I just couldn't bring myself to hitting somebody. So what I started doing is having all the bullies come as a guest to my school. Uh-huh. And I would just eat them alive in there. You know, I, I just, I could bring my ter- myself to terms of putting hands on them there. Yeah. And, and then at, they would go back to school and let everybody at your, know not at your, to. At your, uh, your martial arts yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, um, and then they would go back to school and say, hey, don't mess with him. He can fight. He's you a know? badass, so, yeah. <laughs> but then it just clicked on me the next year um, when I got into eighth grade. Um, yep. It just, just something clicked. So you started messing around with weights, which I thought was ironic that me, you, and O'Hearn all started lifting around 10 and 11. Yeah, first competition, um, I was um, 16. I think I was 16 when I started yeah. training. I was 11, but I don't know. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's like, you know, boys play with barbells and girls play with Barbie. Yep. You know, I think maybe, you know, some yeah. Did you have anybody that was around that now. was around you <laughs> that you saw was jacked and like pushed uh, you into the gym? What what gave you that drive? It was just normal. I mean, you know, back then, yeah, it was five hundred one jeans, a titanium shirt with your belt sticking out that matched, and having guns hang out your shirt for your girls. I mean, that's that's all I was into it for. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was known back then as skinny Kenny. So I mean, the best means was going to a track meet or an outside event. Uh-huh. And summer, you know, and uh, and just looking good and trying to yeah. catch girls' attention. So that was my drive then. You know? Yeah, just the aesthetic. Did part. it did it come quickly to you? I mean, when you started no. lifting, or well, did it you take know, you a long so time I, to build that size? Yeah, I, uh, as far as my arms, they came super fast, but we didn't do nothing anyway. I mean, nobody knew about squatting back then. Yeah. So it was benching and uh, curls, and that was it. And push-ups, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it's funny because back then it was, you know, the if you had a weight set, you had the the concrete 110 pound weight set. Yeah. So in my neighborhood, anybody who could bench that 110 was like the man. You yeah, know? yeah. Here I am struggling like 30 yeah, all, pounds. Yeah, all I'm thinking of is Friday when you're yeah. benching on the porch. The front, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So um, So what would you say, I, you know, for me, like coming up as a kid, I always admired not only your symmetry with how lean you could get your waist and how wide you could get your shoulders, but how big your fucking arms were. How big were your arms at 16? <sighs> You know what? I don't really think they're that big. I always threw off an illusion of uh-huh. looking bigger than I was um, for those very different reasons, small joints, even now, and just super skinny wrists and uh-huh. small elbows and bony elbows, bony knees. You can see my knees just sticking through there. So when you have an illusion of things going in and coming out, it looks look even more, yeah. more so. But, you know, I get asked that question all the time. What did I do to achieve that? That's like me asking you, how, how tall are you? 6'1". So how did you do that? Yeah. What, what did you do to become 6'1"? I yeah. mean, I, I, mean, I want to do that. Yeah. It's hereditary. It's genetics. It's going to happen. So, you know, I'm um, what we call um, arm dominant. So it didn't matter what the freak I did. My arms just grew. And honestly, back then, I didn't give a damn about anything else. Yeah, just you looking know, good, yeah, trying just, to pick just, up chicks. Just, just trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to pick up chicks. That's so. awesome, man. How, what was the... Okay, so you... You started kind of getting fairly serious at 16. Yeah. So you'd already been lifting for five years. Yeah. yeah. Then it took how much longer to get your pro card? Oh, my God. So started uh, my first competition. I was around 16, and I, I think I won the USA at 27. Yeah. So you're talking 11 more years. Yeah, 11 more years before I even got And this is something card. that me and you share because you hit your one starting to hit your pinnacle at 28 mm-hmm. and I was the same way. Yeah. Nothing yeah. came fast for me or no. you. No, I was I was um I was a very immature built mentally. I was very immature and just, you know, I mean my brother who is only a, a barely over a year older than me was just super advanced at everything. He was a world class fastest man in a valley then he was a a1 football player you know he's an a1 person with his mitts you know yeah uh, but he just developed a lot faster than me so i was just a late bloomer um mm-hmm. 
So, and I think that was a good thing because it held me back until I was really good enough. Yeah. So, you know, back then, you know, you the could, muscle, mental yeah, definitely, maturity, definitely. And, and discipline and everything, which I, I kind of got from, you know, martial arts anyway. But, you know, back then you could only turn pro at three events. Mm -hmm. Either you got to win the USA, the entire thing. Yep. The North America, the entire thing or the nationals. So if you took second in your class, you had to come back. Or even if you were a class winner, you had to come back the next year. Wow. So that just made you season and yep. better and better. So constantly qualifying. Yeah, definitely. Constantly never getting out of Yeah, and it's shape it's a little much. bit no, never cuz I mean, you, you wanted to work and you had another show. So if you did the USA, which you want to target first, if mm -hmm. you missed that, then you show up at the North America, then if you missed that, you show up at the Nationals and then you got to start all over. Yep. So, you know, that was, I think, one of the best things for me because I, I did the USA and I lost to, yep. um, you know, great Mike Matarazzo, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to the uh, Nationals and I lost against Kevin Larone, who all were more advanced or closer to their plateau than I was. Yep. And then finally, when I came back the following year, you know, I was able to um, establish my pro card. But being, I think, that it took me over a year to turn pro, when I finally turned pro, then I started winning immediately in my mm -hmm. first four pro shows. and. Yeah, uh, I end up winning. I just remember seeing round, all those other yeah. guys and seeing you and go that symmetry is just fucking unbelievable. You, you know what? I think sports pick you mm -hmm. if you're smart enough to understand. You know, I think sports pick you now. The great thing about you know bodybuilding, anybody can work out. Mm -hmm. Anybody can work out. Anybody can achieve to look good, but doesn't mean you're going to be a pro. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I love basketball. I suck. I don't know how to dribble. I don't know how to shoot. So I'm in there like, you know, I go take Michael Jordan's class and Kobe's class and Larry Bird's class. Listen, you suck. Mm -hmm. You know, so what happens with our sport is being that anyone can do it, people think that that entitles well, them and, or gives them and the ability to And the other big thing is they the think the big secret's a ton of drugs. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. which we both know that's not true. No, I mean, if that's the case, then... Yeah, every, every asshole over at the Arnold this weekend <laughs> would, would be the next... The next, yeah. you know, and the scary Flex thing Wheeler. about it is, is you find that now that, you know, I, I never knew it. You know, I found out like the last fifteen years. But guys actually diet and go hard just to walk around. I know they're not even competing for two fucking days. Yeah, I mean, you know, like for the Olympia, cats go hard in the paint, but you just so they can go to yeah. the the pool parties. <laughs> and I mean, they're diuretic up, drugs up, and I'm like, wow, man. I'm like, really? Before we get too far ahead, can you go back and talk about? So you started lifting weights mm -hmm. and you wanted to have those guns, you know, mm -hmm. sun's out, guns out. Uh, how, so there's obviously a huge difference between lifting weights and getting big yeah. and what you do, talking about the symmetry, yeah. talking about perfecting that build. When, where, how did you learn to go from just lifting all these weights and getting big to building that particular you know, I body? I had some great, um, you know, Fresno big names that helped me. One guy was Jeff Lawson, you know, it was mm -hmm. very established business. Um, and he also, you know, won a lot of local shows there. He was like the man. And then another guy named Joe Jennings yep. who ran a gym and he was a, a strong man and uh, also a bodybuilder. And just for whatever reason, they just took me under my, under their wing. Yeah. So the interesting thing about it, like I said, you know, Fresno is very diverse and, and was very racial uh, when I lived there. But you know, my, my grandmother raised me, and she was born in 1909. So wow. you got to imagine what she really bared witness to. Isn't that crazy generation? They saw they saw before fucking cars. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, their whole life changed. Like, you know, we have like better video games now, but everybody drives. Everybody yeah. has electricity. Yeah. These yeah. people didn't know shit. I'm, yeah, I remember her telling me floors. that she had to walk five miles just to go to school. Yeah. And walk five miles. And, pro- and you believed it. Oh, uh, well, it's, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, well, I mean, even I, I hear it from so many old timers that it's true because there was no school bus. Yeah. But, you know, she just taught me there's, there's no um, black and white. There's yeah. just good and bad. So, again, historically, you got to yeah. understand she's seen true hangings, yeah. true cut yeah. off and shoved in the mouth and all this stuff. And for her to come yeah. out and say. And you growing up in one of the most racially, yeah, pro- I would say probably kept, yeah. the most racially worst generations yeah. that we've ever had, especially in California. Yeah, yeah, that, back then. You know, you, so she just raised me. There's no, there's no black and white. You know, she goes, there's just good and bad. You know, like and I just, person. I just, you know, didn't see color, even though color seen me. I just grew up not seeing color. Mm-hmm. So, and why I bring that up is because Jeff Lawson, you know, one of the first people who started helping me was white. Yeah. So I'm, I'm growing up and I'm not understanding why you want to help well, me. I mean, like, you know, what's, what's, what's the, the end game for you? You know, I don't yeah. have no money. I'm not gay, so I don't get on like that. So I don't get it. And his thing was just, you know, you have a gift. I don't. Mm-hmm. And I want to see how far you can go. That's and then, you know, the other guy was um, a black guy, you know, Joe Jennings. And he's like, you know, if you ever stop chasing girls and you know, <laughs> chase weights harder, you chase girls, you might become something. Mm-hmm. And it just stuck in my head. So, you know, um, Jeff Lawson, every day after work, he was a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Every day after work, meet me at the gym. We go over the training schedule. He helped me with my diet and all that stuff. And uh, I end up winning a couple of um, NPC shows and then end up winning the California championship mm-hmm. and, uh, and then the USA. After so a did you stay years. your whole career training in Fresno? Yeah, I stayed in Fresno until um, I stayed in Fresno until after I won the California. So '89. Okay. Um, then where'd you move to? L.A. You yeah, went to it was L.A. Just, you just just back then. You so had you were back. You were at Gold's training there. Um, yeah, I was at Gold's gym. So I was able to. So who were the heavy hitters oh in the gosh. in the early '90s there? I'll, I'll I'll f up to try to remember them all, but Gary Stridham, um, Mike Christian, um, was Corey Barry DeMay. Yeah, Chris came a little bit later. I got there before he yeah. did. Um, See, that's barely at the time I don't remember because I, I, my first big one that I can really remember was Dorian, mm-hmm. but I was 14, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so you had Cormier coming a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and we, Arnold we actually was already met, way out of the game. Yeah, he was. Already, he already had left. He didn't show he up. He was fucking right. around there, yeah, though, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Like every once in a while? No, back then he didn't. Because really? Because that's when he was gearing himself up to begin in the, the political category. Mm-hmm. So, so he wanted to separate he himself for that. Yeah, so he didn't um, He didn't come, but I had a lot of an involvement with him, you know, because yeah. I won Arnold a couple of times, and um, and he was just always nice, so that just really threw yeah. me off. But once I read his story and understood, I mean, the guy came from shit, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So Similar he used to us. always do a lot of inner-city, uh, uh, you know, uh, youth uh, type of activities with pe- poor kids and all that yeah. stuff, and... Um, he actually sent me a letter after I won the Arnold twice and say, I want you to show up and speak to the kids. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I went and I was like, you know, what is, what's the common denominator here? Why is this, you know, very well off, you know, very super powerful Terminator now, you know, heading into the political arena. Why, why is he around all these kids, mm-hmm. you know, that just don't have anything? And then, you know, I understood it. That's yeah. where he came from. So he wanted to give back to that yeah, area. Yeah, so he never turned his back on it. And, um, and one of the greatest stories I have about him, you know, I mean, I remember uh, we were at Nike Town. Me and Rico, my training partner, had went to Nike Town in Beverly Hills. And uh-huh. uh, I think I won the Arnold twice or three times already. Mm-hmm. So when I walked in, he was right in center talking to somebody. So Rico, who's a smart ass, you know, my best friend in the world, he goes, hey, there goes Arnold. What are you going to say? And I'm like, 
I'm not going to go and invade that man's space. I don't yeah. know him like that. Yeah. So I was kind of rocking around. And we go, hey, Flex, how you doing? Walked he yells up, gave me a big hug. And I'm like, hey, Arnold, how, yeah. how are you? <laughs> Just, I'm uncomfortable by this man's yeah. presence. You got to yeah. understand what he had achieved at that time. And I think everybody hmm? is. I mean, like. I, you know, I hung out with him a little bit. The Arnold and O'Hearn introduced me yeah, to him. Yeah, And you just can't help nah. but sit back. And well, I certain, think it's... Yeah, certain people have a presence. Yeah, yeah. yeah and he yeah. has an incredible presence. That's what I've yeah. heard. And yeah. he's super quick. I mean, don't tell no jokes. I mean, he can go raunchy or whatever like this. He, yeah. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> super freaking quick. So um, so you're over in L.A. about 90, 91. Mm -hmm. you, and you, you keep your entire career there training? Yep, I stay there the entire time. I um, I um, end up being a bouncer. So for a while, I would drive the weekend to LA okay. to work yep. um, and then drive back home because I couldn't afford to live in LA until oh, I wow. end up a myself. Were you living myself. like in Venice? Is that where you were, or back up in No, Fresno? actually I was living in, uh, in um, Ventura County, like okay. Thousand Oaks, so like yeah, corn yeah, yeah. capital, mm -hmm. you know, of uh, California. Oh, it's all starting to come together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I dabbled I, a little bit in that, you know. I've rode through there yeah, a little you know, bit. Black Luther is what yeah. they call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're there. You know, when, do you feel, when do you feel like you were at the pinnacle of your physicality? I mean, what year? What year do you feel like everything was You know, was we all hot. talk about that. Me and Ronnie and uh, and Jay and all of us, and the bad part about it is we were so deep in a trying to achieve, I don't even remember. You don't I know? remember, you know, a couple of years ago sitting with Ronnie, and I was like, do you remember any of our battles? He's like, nope. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I was so, I would brainwash myself that I live in reality. Eating, sleeping, and training and not doing anything is normal. Everybody else is effed up. You know, if you're playing video games or going to the movie or hanging out at nightclubs, you're effed up. And mm -hmm. that's the only way I could stay into this world is by creating my alter world yep. so that I wouldn't be unhappy. Um, so yeah, because it's the discipline on that, even beyond powerlifting, is so extreme because... And I'm starting to kind of just dabble in it a little bit now because mm -hmm. I eat super clean. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's train, eat, sleep, mm -hmm. you know, and, and recover. And recover. And, and, and that's how you grow. I mean, um, so when I, I would even brainwash myself that when I went a show, I would give myself, I'm like, you got like two hours mm -hmm. to feel great about this. Then you got to shut that down because you can be partying about this and next week and get your ass handed to you. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to give a damn that you're the champion from yeah. last week. So I'd win the Arnold yeah. and then get ready to take off from Europe. So I'd have my pizzas whenever by the end of that night, I have to turn it off and be angry. I always thought, you know, if I was stepping into your shoes, I always thought it would help you that you came up in what I consider the probably one of the hottest areas. We didn't of know that then. Body, we yeah. look back in history and we see that. Yeah. But we didn't know. But it. I mean, it was but you had normal. a lot of dudes that were really pushing the it shit out of you. It was just normal. Yeah. It was just normal. I mean, we just grinded in there. I mean, Ghost Gym Venice was so incredible because you'd have any A-list actor mm -hmm. there. And yeah. it would be normal and sit there and talk to you. I mean, you'd have Olympic gold medalists. You know, I remember Jackie Joyner, you know, her being in the gym. And I walked by her and she goes, hey, Flex, how you doing? Mm -hmm. I almost shit myself. I'm yeah. like, She's talking you to you. Actually know she who knows I am. who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, back then Chicago Bulls was like really getting down there yep. with LA Lakers. So mm -hmm. they would be in a gym and they'd walk up and just say hi. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was just a place that, you know, it didn't matter who you were. Um, when you walked through those doors, you, were, you, you weren't were. shit but other than a person in there training. Yep. Nobody was uppity or else back then you'd get your ass handed to you real quick. You mm -hmm. know, it wasn't a problem. It still feels a little that. bit that way. Um, you know, I mean, I was over there and we were yeah. training with Mike maybe six months ago and Frank Stallone. Uh, he's there, and I, I kind of know who he is, but, you know, he's not. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'd know if it was Sylvester. 
And uh, Mike's like, oh, that's that's Stallone's, you know. And he's cool as shit. Yeah, yeah. It's and just you're just normal. like, oh, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Coming from the Midwest where you don't see a whole lot of that. But. No, definitely. So um, You talked so, about how you were always dialed in and created your own reality. Did you get to enjoy it at all? Mm-hmm. I mean. Nah. No? Nah, just dude. flashed away, didn't it? Yeah, because um, like I said, by the end of the night, I'd have to turn it off and be like, okay, who gives a F that I want tonight? Mm-hmm. They're not going to be afraid of me next Saturday. They're not going to mm-hmm. be running. So, what difference does it make? So, don't don't sit there and be all happy about what you did freaking you know a few hours ago. When yeah, you you're so busy climbing, you can't you can't yeah. you can't. So, how many years were you in that zone? I mean, how many uh, before you could finally at least look I turned, back since I, I turned pro and understood that it's a business. So, I mean, I always got crap back then that you know you should do this for the sport. And I'm like, bullshit. I yeah. get paid to do this. This has changed my lifestyle. I was ass poor. Before I did this, this is my job. You know, mm-hmm. my, you know, I, I, I was a police officer before. You know, I worked in a jail. I just didn't make a lot of money. I come from nothing. I come from welfare. You know, I come from being homeless and, mm-hmm. and not having food and stuff like that. So, my first pro two shows. You know, I made ten thousand back then at the Ironman, and I made ninety thousand at the Arnold. Um, that's a hundred thousand dollars, which is that's a more than I made money. in my entire history. Of being, you know, 27 years combined. Yeah. So, I mean, immediately I realized, man, this is a freaking job. There's man. a level just, of hunger that you have coming from that level that just puts you oh, in a yeah. whole nother. And I think that's why you have a lot of great athletes. You know, you have some that didn't have to, but, you know, you have a lot of great fighters who just come through hell. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I get to pay to do this? I had to do this every day on the street, you know, for food or whatever. Now I get to pay to hurt, get paid to hurt somebody? Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. I'm going to up my game big time and enjoy yeah. this. You know, you know a lot of people. times, and I think the problem with this newer generation coming up is they don't understand that adversity builds work ethic. It does, 100%. You know, yeah. I often wonder, um, is it, softening you know i remember um what's the great wrestler um he passed away god dang it he was always shredded the warrior yeah warrior Warrior, yeah he did a video and he was talking about men vagina you know what i mean he was just yelling about how (laughs) soft men are and you know and Mm -hmm. this that and the other and i'm like but you look in his back in history you look at men's from like the 1900s they were like warriors, right? Tough I as mean, nails. I mean, walking about the beams, you know, building nope. the building with yeah. no rope no or anything straps. like that. You know, I mean, just, you know, work freaking all day long, come home, do the right thing, go back to work. We don't got, I mean, we really kind of, you know. Pushed away from that. I I, 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 I don't know what's going on, what's in the water, you know yeah. what I mean? But I'm, I'm not my father, and my father agrees that he's not his father, you know what I mean? And you go continuously back, so mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure, but I think. It's a double-edged sword. So the internet and everything else should be incredibly great and has done incredibly great things, but it has done incredibly you know, horrible things also. Yeah. So, so it's really whatever you make it. It's a balance. Yeah, it's, it's whatever you make it, you know, and, and whatever type of person you are. But um, yeah. I won't say it's easier. Um, I just say there's a lot of um, more opportunities yeah. out there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the playing field is e- e- you know, even. So old-timers old like us who don't, come from the digital um you know footprint and platform uh, platform those yeah. those are open to us we just didn't grow up you know so right. my, my my 10 year old daughter knows how to work an iphone better mm-hmm. than i ever could yeah at that age because she grew up with it mm-hmm. you know what i mean so you know. that's the one big thing that's pushed me to build that youtube channel was because i was tired of getting on i what, what sparked it was about six months ago i had firemen messaging me on my phone asking me hey what's this exercise i'm like mm. well, look it up on youtube and see what you find mm. They're coming back and showing me, and I'm like, I need to make a YouTube channel that actually has real shit. 
And, and that's the thing because just because it's on the internet, people perceive it to be real. Mm -hmm. I, I remember uh, my, my brother, um, you know, is, uh, you know, my, my brother is, uh, is incarcerated, you mm -hmm. know, and have been. Um, the older one life. that's only about a year older than you? Yeah, yeah, have been his whole life. Um, haven't, um, never got to see me compete as a pro. Shit, uh, um, you know, never got the witness traveling with me to world and just seeing what it was like. You know, that probably be the one that. thing you could go back and change a little bit, then, huh? Yeah, because he would have had fun. You just shared you know, it with just, you. Yeah, he definitely. could have had fun for you and then explained to you yeah. what you were going through. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. You missed. yeah, he's done as, as good of that. But um, what I was going to say is, what did uh, what did uh, Eastbound and Down guy say? He could get the runoff Pinoche. <laughs> <laughs> So so true. Um, actually, yeah. I forgot my thought of where I was going with that. The whole you were um, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. You're saying that he never got to see. You never got to see you compete. Your your older brother. Uh, yeah, because he's been locked up the whole time. I still forgot where I was going with that. Yeah, I'll come back to it. It's okay. I think from earlier, you know, from looking back at lost. videos and you know watching you. St I I think right when I graduated high school is when I remember seeing pictures of you, thinking that you were that you were at the best I saw you, which was about 97, 98. And, you know, just the sad part about it, I've, I've said it a billion times, I was just the world's greatest chameleon. Yeah. I mean, I always thought I looked like crap. You know, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I was a, an Isn't incredible crazy? introvert. You know, I have incredibly yeah. low self-esteem. But mm -hmm. I just, at an early age, I just learned that if people find out what your weaknesses are, they'll use it against you. Right. So I had to almost, not knowing it, you know, now I understand I created this alter ego Flex Wheeler Cat, mm -hmm. you know, to protect Kenny. You know, yeah. so this Flex Wheeler Cat, you know, will get in your face. Mm -hmm. You know, how you want to make it happen, let's make it happen, you know, where... You know, I was completely the opposite. Yeah. But I knew if I didn't become that person, they would use me yep. as a person. That happened. You no, know, was a lot like that. Is Kaz? Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we, we interviewed Kaz last year, and he mm. talked about he's got his he's Bill Kazmaier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's of course Kaz. He is. Yeah. And yeah. Kaz is like the full retard. Like, get in my way, and I'll yeah. knock this whole fucking building down. And the other Kaz is semi well, kind of talkable. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> can you, if you don't mind, mm. as much as you're comfortable with? Can you talk about the genesis of that? Like, where did, where does that insecurity come from? Where did that needing to build your alter ego come from? You know, um, I don't know. I mean, I had a child, hard childhood. I was beaten. A you think lot. the dyslexia maybe did it? That did too. I mean, come on. I mean, just at your bare innocence, you know, you you're not able. So, I wasn't able to comprehend why I wasn't able to read. You know, I mean, I, I literally even now I look at words and they'll move around. So yeah. as you're reading, if I'm like, you know, if, if, if I'm in church as a kid and they say pull the Bible out and the pastor's reading, I can't literally make out words, not read them. I can't literally make out words as fast as he's reading them. Right. And if I try to read them in my brain, I can almost do it. But once I say them out loud, if someone corrects me, it's almost like the words move literally. And then I'm like. Wow. And same thing, I, I put my kid's socks on backwards. So, so as a child, when you find out you have a handicap and they really haven't identified to it, yet they make you feel like you're an idiot, mm -hmm. you you probably, I guess, grow some insecurities. And did you not have anybody at that time to no, kind of have no, your back? No, no one, no one, because no one knew. Yeah, and right. if you're coming from low income, they're not going to yeah, be educated no, enough. No well, I think back then, that, period. But no school, none, none of yeah. the schools. I mean, so... And I probably, I didn't help the situation because I got tired. So back then, you had to go right on a blackboard. So-and-so, come and spell so-and-so on the board. I'm like, Duff. Yeah. 
you know, so after going up there, you know, for a very short period of time and then have everybody tease you at recess, mm -hmm. I just became this kid that you just didn't talk to. Hey, you know, Kenny, come write, you know, whatever, marijuana on a, on, on a blackboard. Fuck you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though I wasn't that type of rebellious kid, I was super quiet. I was an introvert. But it's a I, just, I just learned that freak. I'd rather get in trouble and they think I'm a badass. Send me to, you know, I'm going to get a paddling because back then you got your ass handed to you in school by mm -hmm. the principal, right? You got paddling. You could pick yeah. which one you want. The one with the little holes in it, the big wide one, <laughs> or the ones in a line. You know, which one yeah. you want. So I just came to the, you know, the mind frame that I'd Don't rather get a paddling instead of getting teased mm -hmm. for the whole year. And did you that know. lead into more trouble when you got home? Of course, home? of course. Oh yeah, because I mean, my mom was a disciplinarian, and so back then, principal calls your 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 parent. Hey, you know, going to give so and so a paddling. Okay, consent. And yeah. obviously, you know, you get on the phone. You know, you're going to get an ass whooping when you get home too. Mm -hmm. So double whammy. But hey, good bet. You Better know than what I mean? Off the that weakness. and then having ridiculed by your peers. So that probably started it also, and probably led into everything else of just not having a good you know, um, lifestyle, you know, hand me down, you know, uh, like you were saying, I was, we were super poor, but we, I didn't really know it because right. everyone in my neighborhood was on welfare. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, seeing a little letter stick out of everybody's mailbox when your mailbox used to be at your home, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it was just a welfare letter that you had to turn in. I remember one day just walking down the street, there's one, there's one, there's one. So you're kind of just normal. You don't yeah. know. Only until you grow up do you look back and it's like, wow. You say that really changed, the, the tipping point changed when you got that hundred grand that one year? Yeah, from it did. But, you know, um, and I, I, I mentor tons of people now, uh, you know, kids, especially trying to men because the mistakes I made as a man and a boy, I don't want them, you know, to continue continue um, but the bad part about that is normally you learn some type of business or moralities from the men in your your house mm -hmm. so being that at that time when I made ninety thousand dollars I made more than anyone that I knowingly know in my family tree yeah so who's I, I didn't know my money was in my freezer yeah. I didn't know that I didn't know what a bank account was yeah. I didn't know that I could have a bank account. So I went and bought all my furniture because, uh, you know, with cash. Um, mm -hmm. I went and got an apartment, and I didn't know how to sign. I didn't even know how to fill out an application. And the lady's like, well, do you have any credit? I'm like, what's that? Mm -hmm. and she goes, well, how are you going to pay for this? I'm like, I got my weeder contract, and I got $100,000. Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me and had pity on me, and she was like, you know what? Okay, son, I'll help you out here. You fill this out here and yeah. take, put that money back away, you know what I mean? And it's I'll crazy. take your contract, and that'll be your your um your uh, proof of, of income and i went and bought all my furniture and i took you know i think i had like seventy thousand dollars left cash and i just put it in my freezer and i never cooked because i went to the firehouse and ate seven times a day mm -hmm. you know um actually six times a day my first meal would be oatmeal i made oatmeal and a protein drink and then then i go and eat at firehouse every day so yeah. i never bought any food so if i ever had guests over which really i did mm -hmm. if you came to my home and you open a freezer you get one time yeah. And obviously, you know, you open it and you then you close and you look at me. I'm like, you got once. If you open <laughs> it again, we got a serious problem because now, you know, ain't no fucking food in there. Yeah. The only other reason you're opening it again is because of money. So this is going to define whoever it is, whether it's my brother, my mother, my yeah. father. <laughs> you open it again. We got a we got an issue. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because you just you didn't. And by no fault of your own, you didn't have those. No. Life skills. No. Do you think that's what other athletes run into when they get to yeah, that point? Yeah, that and, and you know, also um, trust issues. So I did have a few people in my life, um, like Robin Chain, who used to be my manager, who we all know is brilliantly smart, and uh, and a few other people, uh, Ed Connors, who mm -hmm. helped me buy my first house. 
Um, but you just don't, you have trust issues with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So how am I going to trust you with my money? And I have insecurity issues yeah. and identification issues. So if I go and buy this $130,000 car, you know, back in the 90s, which is this pretty nice car, yeah. and, you know, buy this 20000 or $21,000 Rolex, now you're not looking at me. You're looking at the clothes I wear immediately because this is L.A. Mm-hmm. You're going to look at the car I got out of. Then you're going to check me out, see what kind of clothes I got on. You might end up looking at the jewelry I got on, and then you're done. Yep. You know what I mean? So that was my that was my image of my persona, what I put out there. Is mm-hmm. that where is that when Flex Wheeler was born? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, you know, I was never uh, you know because I come from getting beat up. So when I I started fighting, uh, what I was going to say is a guy who pissed on me. The yeah. next year, it just clicked. And I remember the first day in school, I'm see I seen him like, hey, I remember you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Picked him up, slammed him, bing. I just didn't bother me anymore by giving people the business. So I never started it, but man, I mean, all you got to do is just let me know, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm going to quickly give it to you and enjoy it because uh-huh. it was just like, so I, I, I pretty much only went and beat up the people who ever beat me up before. Yeah. They got it, you know what I mean? But I just wouldn't start shit, but yeah. look at me the wrong lane. way. Yeah, yeah, stayed in my lane. Looked at, you know, so just like driving, I use it all the time. Stay in your effing lane or else you get bent up. So you're in a car. And you actually get in somebody, your, your car gets bent up. So I looked at it like, listen, stay in your lane or I'm going to try to bend you up. So yeah. all this experience in martial arts, fighting all over the world and winning and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I end up I end up fighting like over 600 fights and never even getting scored on. So it's really good. And my trainer back then, who was my mentor and everything, said, you know, he already said, he goes, you know, you were probably 100 times better as a fighter than you ever were as a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. And for him to see my whole career. Yeah. Gives and you nobody an idea. knows that. I didn't know you. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. Man, it was crazy. So you were fighting at the same time you were bodybuilding. Yeah. So um, I did my first. I, I think I fought the first time I was like thirteen, and I would always take second. I was always take second and third. It was just, I, it hadn't clicked over. I did, didn't have. You know, it's like a fighter. You yeah. have to have that switch. And I just, I couldn't click over and become that violent person. But yeah. once I did, I just. I loved everybody. I gave everybody a hug. But as soon as they say fight, I'm trying to hurt you. I want to break something on you. Yeah. And, and you know, I want to do spin, uh, spinning and flamboyant flying side kicks and stuff like that. I want to embarrass you. But as soon as it's done, I would pick the person up and pat them on the back yep. and raise their hand. Because it's not about that anymore. But, yeah. again, I would just warp my brain that, you know, as I would sit there and you walk in arena, I'm, bra- I'm really just yeah. psyching myself to F up Did by you- saying, listen, this guy thinks he can beat me. Yeah. He needs to walk out of the ring right. So yeah. I'm constantly saying this, looking at the guy. <laughs> Fuck, he really thinks he can beat Really? You think? So I'm, th- I'm expecting this grown man to turn around and just walk out yeah. of the ring. So I'm getting violently angry because he's still standing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> how twisted is yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like looking at him. And, you know, back then I would yell and scream and walk around in circles. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm saying to myself. So yeah. I would just try to unleash everything on him. So... Once I do that, I own you now. Yeah. You know, if I establish myself within the first, you know, 15 seconds by just, just kicking you out of the ring or hitting you so freaking hard where you buckle, now I can do my super great stuff. Yeah. Because I own you. So yeah. it's not about you trying to return fire. It's you, you trying to understand what I'm about to throw at you. You're no yeah. longer doing You've already that. turned them submissive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Did so. you notice with the with the martial arts stuff that the weight training was really helping? Because what you find with yeah the discipline, one hundred percent. Yeah, and a lot of the martial arts though, what you found, especially at that generation, they weren't using lifting weights to get to get which all was that. crazy. And um, I fought all the way up until 
I won the California. I was still. I remember I won the California championship, and then I went and fought. So that's about eighty-eight, mm-hmm. uh, eighty-nine, eighty-nine. Um, and I went and fought um, and won the California championship fighting that Sunday. And I remember talking to Ty McGuire, who you know used to pay for my food yeah. you know, when I was dieting because I was just ass broke, and he was also my trainer, and mm-hmm. you know he owned a school, and I didn't have to pay for it because he just like, hey, you know. Yeah you have a special ability i'm going to sponsor you mm-hmm. and just paid for everything my geese my food when i would compete he paid for my tuna cool. incredible um so here he is invested all this money in me as a fighter and um you know at 19 he told me you know um you know in in one year you'll be the best fighter in california and in two years you'll be the best fighter in the united states mm-hmm. well in one year i was the best fighter in my entire division in the united states yeah so and then yet he would go in and help me with all my bodybuilding shows. He would actually train with me. So we would train in weights. He had trained with me. So I'm kind of giving something back to him. And then we go to school, mm-hmm. which is right in the same place. And we fight on it all day wow. and all night. Um, what would you say? What, were the, what was the biggest you got weight-wise? 298. Yeah, so you got to 298? Un- unhealthy. Damn. Yeah, unhealthy. That's big. It's, That's big on your then, frame. Yeah. That, back then we just didn't know. Bigger don't means better. Better How, means better. So what was, yeah. So what was... Um, when you were at your when you were at your probably your peak muscle mass, let's say what what two thirty, two twenty. When would you would you think fifty six, two fifty six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two fifty six. That's big on your frame. Yeah, because I'm two fifty eight right now. Yeah, I'm not that. Yeah. So I can't imagine. So there's a video. Um, if you look it up, you can um, Google um or YouTube um Flex Wheel nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. French Grand Prix. So you were fifty eight and two fifty six. Yeah. What was your diet looking like at that time? Flame and young. Tons of filet. I love filet. I eat it all the time. Mignon, yeah, just red meat. And uh, I used to, I had the ability of going um, zero carbs for long periods at a time. So I would go like two or three months of just filet mignon. How many mignon times a day were you eating roughly? Seven. Seven. And so every, 88 ounces of filet mignon a day. And geez. I hate steak. Uh, I, you know, I, but filet you'll, you can smoke. Well, no, I, I have to take it to a butcher. So back then oh, you couldn't just buy it really in a store. So I'd go it. to the, the meat place and, um, and have a butcher put it through a grinder. So... I hate steak, so I need to see it. You know, I'm really mental and effed up like that. So I need to yeah. see it and visualize it as a hamburger. Okay. So once he puts it through the meat grinder a few times, it's just so good. I wonder if that's your background that because a, a uh, when I went and delivered three belt squats to Xavier, they have a lot of kids that come from, you know, inner cities, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. They, they will not eat steak. They will eat hamburgers. Well, you know, it's just a poor man's if you food. Ne- if you never have it growing up, if yeah. you've never been yeah. exposed yeah. to yeah. it, and it would be weird. Used to. Yeah, and, so and question, it's very inexpensive. Is that, where, is that where Stan got the yeah. vertical diet stuff? Well, I won't say that. Stan is super, super, super yeah. intelligent. But it's you know, funny that scary. you're talking about ground stuff, and he's always talking about Well, I, obviously, I, you know, I, I have the honor of saying I trained him to win his, his yeah. uh, pro card. And uh, I remember, you know, I, uh, I was so intimidated by him. Because I may have done certain things on stage, but this guy has went to school and learned all this. Uh-huh. So I remember interviewing him because I'll, I'll interview a person before I work with him. I want to know if you're twisted, if you're effed up. You know, if you say something like, yeah, I want to be the next Miss Olympia, you need somebody else. I can't yeah. help you. Yeah, yeah. Because you already set yourself up for failure, which yeah. means I'm going to fail you. Yeah, you want somebody to say they can be the best yeah, they can I, I be. Yeah, I can be, and then let's go find out what that is. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So. Um, I remember sitting and I'm telling my philosophy to Stan and here he is. He's freaking, a fucking I already know he's freaking strong and you all know, that. every time I go with him, like, well, he comes in here. Yeah. We, we've trained. I seen him. We trained legs yeah. on what was it? Monday? Tuesday? Monday. Yeah. Tuesday. You guys where he squatted this stupid amount. Yeah. Like 700. Crawling there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, Dude. I haven't been under a straight bar in like a year. So I just crawl underneath it too. And I'm still paying for it. But what's funny is, is like he, I, when I go to train with him or he's coming in here with me or I go to Vegas with him, 
I, I got to bring my fucking weed. Yeah, he's mental. Because he is just, he's I mean. He's mental. He's the only other guy mental. I've ever ran into that, you probably never met him before, was Chuck Vogelpool. He, he broke like 10 world records in the squat. He was my old squat partner. And the difference about Stannis is he don't need to. He's financially okay. Yeah. So it's just different it's to just guy, have a guy go that hard who's financially okay. So, I mean, so I end up interviewing him and, you know, I gave him my price, which, yep. you know, was... I said it before. So it was five hundred a day. Uh-huh. So he literally moved out of his mansion and stayed in like a Motel Six with an oven and everything for three months to train with you. To train with me and paid for his best friend, and we just grinded every day. So Badass. so I'm already adding up what amount of money this is going to be, uh-huh. and we're having this conversation about training, and he's questioning, like, God dang it. Yeah, because you I got to answer this honestly. You want his value, or else yeah. I'm going to f up my money. And that was yeah. for me back then. That's some life changing money. Yeah, <laughs> money back then. I just say, hey man, you know, this is my philosophy and why. And he goes, you know. And he got quiet for a minute. He goes, and I'm like, oh, he's about to tell me to go f off, mm-hmm. you know. And he goes, all right, you're the expert. You're flex wheeler. I'm not. Let's go. Yep. That's and the he same ended thing. up doing it. And yep. now he even talks about twenties to change your life and all that. And you know, that's where a lot. I don't tell anybody this, but that's a lot where I got my warm ups. Really, your really? Four, the four sets of twenty five. Yeah. yeah, I did it pre exhaustion. And I've been doing it for like five years, and my world record squats kept going up, right? It's because you don't do that much damage. No. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I didn't notice at the beginning of my career, but towards my end of my career, we started doing 20s and everything like that. But I just, you know, people say you burn out. And I just, you know, I, I would study. Yeah. So you look at guys in prison, historically, some of the biggest chests, biggest arms Yeah, and they have nothing the to work out All with. they do is bang chests and arms. Vibe right? You look at like an Olympic uh, speed skater. Some of the sickest, roundest squats. All they do is a squat position guard. That's it. All day long. Cross-country skiers, all that. Massive freaking legs. Cyclists that do the cycling. Velodrome. Massive freaking legs. So I'm like. Volume. Volume. It's not. You can't exceed this muscle by pounding it with weight. Yeah. It's, so, it's accumulation of, of weight and volume. So, that's, you know, let's so do not, these I mean, things. that's a completely different topic, but you, you're definitely <laughs> on the nail with that. Because I've learned the same thing, even to raise my max strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes your max strength. But up, what yeah. was, when, what year do you feel like you were your strongest, and what would some of those numbers have looked like? We didn't even. Did you ever try didn't. to squat max once? Never. No. Close to? No. Nope. Uh, Could you I hit think six? six plates? Yeah, six plates. I did. Five eighty-five. Um, I did for reps, and I remember coughing up blood. Um, like, and that. I just told him, I just, <laughs> yeah. so Chris and Rico were stronger than me. I, I even, you know, especially training with Stan, uh, yeah. I, I learned at a young age, stay in my own lane or else they're going to bend me up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Chris was always stronger than me. Chris Cormier, Rico was always stronger than me. So I just did my max and I didn't let their max so you could do with me. Around 600 for reps. Yeah. On for squats. Reps, what about bench? Um, bench, we didn't go over five plates. I just didn't, but we still had to do 10. So back then, we don't, we, you know, we call them washers. You don't put on freaking fives and tens and quarters. You put on plate. If you can't put on a plate, move. Yeah. You know, get out of here. So yeah. it's just we don't put on these freaking washers. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, so five plates on that. But the thing about it is we had to do our full workout with 10, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go on to, you know, doing like the 190s, um, you know, dumbbell, but you're doing sets of 10. So it's not it's not just how heavy it is. It's accumulation of that heavy workout right. throughout that whole Yeah, Yes, you're not load. doing one big heavy set and then you're done. It's no, tons of no. volume. But we just didn't. I mean, I was around Were strong Were you ever a people. big deadlifter? 
Because I no, remember, I never, no, which never. is crazy because your spinal erectors and your fucking lats were just nasty. Yeah, and you know, and, and I glutes. Think, yeah, and I think um, so that's just hereditary. What did you use to build that? I did half deadlift. Half deadlift. Yeah, half like deadlift. Out of I pins? think there was a um, there's like a picture pep? of me standing with Mike uh, with um with Charles Glass, and it's like half, and I'm just like here, just raising up and back. It's like a pin pull. Yeah, because what I I, you, I learned I had a lot of back injuries. Okay. And what I learned is, you know, my my weakest pendulum area is my spine and my waist. Uh-huh. So back then, off season, my legs would be a little bit over thirty three inches. Fuck. And off season, my weight, my waist would be a little bit over twenty eight. So where's the weakest point? It's all that pressure is going to go to there. Uh-huh. So you look at any. Right. So your frame. Yeah. Actually limited your yeah. mass, and I but just, it helped your aesthetics. Yeah. So I always would have all these back injuries, and still to date now, all these surgeries would but all from that you know just doing that so hmm. but what we always knew even back then yeah all right you put on five plates six plates you know you do you know yeah. six or seven but pull that shit off put 315 on there and do 20 mm-hmm. you'll either mentally pass out or yep. physically pass out not to mention your legs are on fire yep. a lot of the times you just don't want that yeah right. it I've, feels better just to put on heavy weight knock it out a couple yeah. of times and walk around than it does to, to put on a lighter weight and pop off some reps. Like that takes you yeah. somewhere mentally that oh, most yeah. people don't want that. You know I what think I mean? that's what separated me from a lot of my competition was O'Hearn last year. Well, maybe a year and a half ago now, he did 500 for 16 on squats and called yeah. me out on it. So yeah. I did it for 21. Mike is but, always smart. You know, but, I, even, but those fucking, that shit, when, you're, when your uh, vision's going like this, yeah. You don't get that from one RMs. No, that's you know. that's something where like the, you know, the lactic acid is so poisonous and yeah. your body. That's just what we talked about down. with when you had, when we had your buddy Greg in. Yeah. So he talked about how he would grind it out and just start to pass out while he was doing it and just mm-hmm. keep going. You know what? And, and, and it takes, it takes more strength, to move that weight multiple times than it does to do one mm-hmm. seriously pop. Mm-hmm. It truly does. Yeah. The the muscle is in better condition. It's stronger. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, if you want to, you can do that big push. Yeah. Because you built up endurance, and a muscle is just has a whole different type of, of mm-hmm. density to it. Yeah. One RMs are one of those things. It's like a. It's like candy, but it's it's the other shit that makes it. No, makes you don't it want. Grow. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta really take yourself there. So if you were if you were coming back through now and you're had the genetics that you had, what would have been some of the things that you would have changed in your training? Um, I just wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even went to like six plates. I mean, we I never mean, went heavy nah, I mean, I, I probably all my back surgeries that I had was just all that heavy trying to keep up with everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, versus doing your own shit. Yeah. And just, just doing mine. So even though I didn't try to go heavier than that, like I said, I knew in my head, yeah. I got a better workout and I'd be ready to pass out legs are on fire, three fifteen and 20 instead mm-hmm. of going up to five or six right. plates and squatting and uh knee all wrapped. And, you know, you step them off like this. Yeah. And, and all that stuff is not really a workout. And mm-hmm. I'm a, I was a bodybuilder. I wasn't a powerlifter. Yeah, but back neuro- in that time, didn't. if you didn't throw heavy weight around, you wasn't shit. Yeah. And, you know, me, Rico, and Chris, we literally consider ourselves the strongest people in Go's Gym. You uh-huh. just, you didn't come down there and F around. I remember, you know, the great Louis, um, Lou Ferrigno, first time, you know, we were training, he was next to us. And so he put on a plate, you know, and we smashed off two plates, you know, and he put on another plate. We smashed off all of us three plates. You know, we kind of looking at each other. And, and Frigno's three, not super old yet. But he was no, he was he was like in his forties back then. Yeah. He was a monster. Yeah, you know I remember I mean? seeing pictures of him. So he put on three, and he barely, you know, gets ten. You know, and I put on uh, three, and I'm bang, bang, bang. You know, get my ten. Rico does. <laughs> he kind of looks over. He's like, "You guys are strong." And then we throw on four, bang, bang, bang. You know what I mean? You know, so it was just about it was that. What was it about? Yeah. 
But now I understand, don't mentally masturbate with somebody else. Man, they can't get down for you. Yeah. They're not going to walk on stage for you. They can't help you in any way. All they can do is cause you to do something that's going to get you caught up in somebody else's lane. So why even deal with that? Right. You know what I mean? They're not going to hold your hand during your surgery when yeah. you get worked on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're probably laughing because they ain't got to deal with you on stage now. Mm-hmm. But it was just so competitive back then where, yeah. you know, just we were just caught up in that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that would be the, the di- big thing I would change. The I first would guy, do. and maybe it's my generation, but the first guy I remember talking about never went super heavy and gained all that muscle mass was Jay Cutler. Yeah. Jay Cutler trains yeah. kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he did anything that wasn't at least over 12. It just doesn't – it just – it, it's it's weird because now we have the technology that proves it. Yeah. But you know, towards the end of my career, when I started doing the twenties, there was no, there was you know, everybody, oh, you're gonna burn out the muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't grow like that. Oh, you're doing too many reps. Blah blah blah. But it it just worked. And I kept going back to what I said. Mm-hmm. Olympic skiers, you know, Olympic cyclists. Yep. It just that can't. It has to be something more than yeah. that. So all I'm gonna do is add a little bit more weight to it, and do those repetitions. And almost it's kind of like hit training. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to. Use out of class at yeah. that, but it's high repetitions. And they should have uh, called it flex training. I've been trying, you know? me and Stan yeah. are trying to come up because everybody has their training system. Yeah, and uh, I know Stan started, you know, saying, you know, twenties to save your life, and his other guys like, you need to coin that, man. And, like, yeah. so, you know, I'm like, ah, so I first got that idea from talking to you with Stan, and then there was a guy from Australia that I that runs one of the professional rugby teams, and he had been experimenting with doing pre fatigue sets before core lifts. So if they did, say, uh, squats, they would do four sets of 25 hamstring curls, four sets of 25, yeah. some kind of abdominal. Yeah. And what he started noticing was is that their strength levels were rising yeah. and their lean mass was increasing. Going, exactly, going down. And, and that's uh, the reason why I don't have to have my athletes do cardio now because mm-hmm. you're so cardio taxed yep. at the end of doing a full workout of yep. 20s. You, it's not necessary. Yeah, if you're doing the right resistance training, it's hitting all those energy yeah. systems. And, you know, like I was saying, how much meat I used to eat back then, it was just too much. Mm-hmm. 88 ounces of filet mignon a day is just – it's not necessary to ingest that much protein. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what we didn't know back then, again, because we thought, you know, bigger is better. What would you um, say would be the right, let's say I want to weigh 250 and I want to be as lean as possible. How much meat should I eat a day? I couldn't give you that equation because I don't know right off the, if not, not yeah. if I didn't know you, I don't know if your capability is being 250. All right, say if you got to 250, are you healthy at that? Mm, right. You know what I mean? I mean, can your body actually handle it? Okay, yeah. 250, are you fat or not? You right. Know I mean? So, so so many other questions I'd have to pop in yeah. there which, before I even can answer Which is that. awesome because it's the same questions I get, and you're giving me the same answer. Which there's is, no freaking way. It's, yeah. There's a full circle spectrum of are you getting enough sleep? What's your body fat? What's your preconditioning level? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, what, you have any, any have existing any problems? Yeah. So, probably yeah. like yourself, before I even work with an athlete, I send them and have all their blood work panel done because mm-hmm. I need to know if I'm working against something or if I'm going to, yep. you know, put you in some type of uh, danger. But, um, you know, those are the first telltale signs that just somebody I don't want to work mm-hmm. with. And now, like we're talking, drugs are so prevalent that, yeah. you know, they think, you know, um, that you got to take the whole entire kitchen sink. I'm like, no, it's about heart can work mm-hmm. so that's the reason why you want to take the drug so much because yeah. you don't want to put in that hard ass consistent lonely yep. hard work every day it's easier well to, to take you know more drugs and i've always said hey listen you know you can't take a volkswagen and make it into a ferrari no well, you can put a little volkswagen you can put a kit on it and so put ferrari signals but it ain't yeah. a ferrari but if i have a ferrari and i choose like 
turbocharge my engine or put a nicer rims on it. I'm only just like adding some little additives to, to it. Ferrari. Yeah. And they, so and they pa- don't realize that the drugs are only going to help you to work harder. If you took all, if you took well, every drug in the thing, world and don't work out, it's not going to do anything. anything yeah. Powerlifting. Here's what we say: the drugs help ten percent, meaning that where do you want your ten percent to help you? Mm. So if you're already benching five fifty. Your bench is going to go up 55 pounds, and now you bench 605. If you're taking drugs at 250, your <laughs> bench is going to go to 280. And I don't know how that is in power or in bodybuilding or how. Well, you me can... no, I, I just was an extreme responder. I think yeah. uh, you remember Victor from Valco Laboratory when yeah. he did that. Um, Conte. Yeah, Victor Conte um, when he did that um, that study on extreme uh, responders and the uh, genetic mutation of the uh, myostatin. Yeah, um, I was a won all that so i was the highest of all that had more muscle fibers per something like that my uh-huh. mutation was greater so i mean even back then like oh you just look at the weights and you know it looked like you grow well mm-hmm. from the science he did there there was something to it so i just responded i mean yeah, yeah i just the myostatin receptors yeah are just i just totally uh, metamorphosis but what's funny is <laughs> and sad is if you go back and look at kenny wheeler when he first started training to flex wheeler towards the end of his career at his prime you look at the metamorphosis my body went through, but man, you have no idea how bent you are up here. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the drugs of what it does, it just bent. And you never really, really realize it until you've walked away from the sport maybe 10 years deep, that mm-hmm. everything is out of your system, that you start to look at things normal. I mean, just the metamorphosis, but you, you have to recognize that it's going to happen. You know, sometimes I'll get women like, oh, I don't take that much. I'm like, listen, let's let's not even have that conversation so I don't put you in a position to insult my intelligence. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Whatever amount you take, there's going to be a consequence to your action. How about if I just say, you know what? I only take a little bit of progesterone a day. You know, a little bit of estrogen a day. The freaky thing's going to happen to me after months of a little bit a day. Mm-hmm. It's cumulative. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, isn't that what men do when they want to change their sex? Just a little bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's just a consequence to every action and you got to realize... I think first and foremost of, uh, of ex- accepting what are your strengths and your weaknesses mm-hmm. and then falling in love with that process and just going to that limit. Right. Versus saying, you know, I'm willing to do a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and, and paying a consequence. So I think that's what give all of our sport powerlifting and bodybuilding yeah. a black eye because there's just people who are not meant to be doing this stuff and don't have the ability mm-hmm. who are throwing everything in a kitchen sink behind it and yeah. not, you know, either a putting themselves in, in danger life wise yeah. or seen, B just being disgruntled when I've they're done. I've seen guys take more stuff than you could possibly imagine. and They can't squat 500 pounds and they want to be a powerlifter. And I'm like, and Matt, just, You've just burned your body completely to the gills for jack shit. Yeah, receptors you know? are fried and everything. And then they're mad at you because you're lying because you take more than this. Because I right. took this amount and I didn't get this. So you've got to be taking more yeah. than that. And you're a freaking liar. And there's because, some yeah. things with bodybuilding physically and mentally and powerlifting physically. You can't give people nah. with a program. And a drug is not going to get it don't. there. No, I've always said an athlete is born. Yeah. An athlete is born. Now, you can take that athleticism and, and use be one of the not. greatest athletes in the world. Yeah. Or you can be one of the worst criminals in the world because <laughs> it's the same attributes. And you yeah. have some athletic people who are just incredible who are the worst criminals. They're mm-hmm. in prison. You know, I used to tell my son, you know, he's like, you know, I want to be like you. I want to be a great athlete. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Because I can take it to prison and show you some of the greatest running backs and wide receivers and basketball and football players. I'm like, so what Slot do you up. really mean by that? It's what you take with that athleticism and how you apply it. Right, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, because, I mean, you look at these guys that run these huge mafia programs, they could run any bank, yeah. but they decided to go the other direction, you know what I mean? Look at some of the drug dealers. I remember, you might be too young, but I remember when 
they tried to introduce the metric system mm-hmm. to United States. So I, I think I was like maybe in the eighth or ninth grade. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, but they tried to introduce a metric system and we failed horribly. So they pulled it away. But every drug dealer in the world now deals with metrics. Grams and ounces. So it, yeah. it's, just, it's just what switched them over to do what it took to learn. Yeah. Hence, obviously, you know, they could. Uh, Their math. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, because you don't go buy two pounds of cocaine. You go buy kilos. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because right? you got to be precise with that, you know. So do you still do any private uh, personal training or any? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm Where can we get a hold picky. of you at? So, crap, you can get a hold of me at my Instagram. It's official Flex Wheeler. Yep. Um, you can email me, which I'm old school. Yep. Um, I have, you know, KenFlexWheeler at Yahoo.com, yep. or I have TheLegend at Gmail.com. And then what kind of supplement stuff are you into right now? So, I uh, just made the announcement, um, I think, last night that I just um, bought into a company. So, I'm 20% okay. owner at my own nutrition co- uh, line. And we're going to be opening my personal line with Flex Wheeler um, uh, supplements Badass. Um, globally. So I'm really excited about that. They'll be hearing more about that. What are some of the key products you saw missing in the market that you put in there? Um, you know what? Probably one of the biggest things is trace minerals. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I got to say one of the things that Victor Conti taught me that really stuck is it doesn't matter what drug you do. It doesn't matter how you eat. If your trace minerals are off, everything's going to be off. Mm-hmm. So that just taught me. So you mean, and I asked him, so you mean these are more important than drugs? He goes, yeah, because if your trace minerals are off, your vitamins and minerals and all that stuff are off, anything you put into your body is not going to utilize it 100%. Mm-hmm. So you got to start at that baseline. And, and nine times out of ten, everybody want to learn, you know, the best things. They don't, yeah. wanna, they don't they care about that. You know, something that's funny is Charles always talked about the same thing, Poliquin. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his big minerals that he saw four out of five people deficient in was magnesium. Magnesium and vitamin um, D. Yep, vitamin, yeah, vitamin D, D. Yeah. with K2. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of that's, one, we don't get enough sunlight because now sunlight's bad for you. Exactly. Yeah, supposedly. Two, well, magnesium's yeah. been sucked out of the soil from the herbicides and pesticides. Exactly, exactly. But, if you know, magnesium levels actually cause your insulin to insulin uh sensitivity to not work right right which make you store more body fat right not utilize it's a it's a downhill um it's a downhill on battle so you're doing so other than that um other than that um with back widow what's you know we're doing really great we have a booth here at the arnold and Mm -hmm. which booth is that going to be at 1835 and they have a website yeah we have a website let me look and make sure yeah go ahead screw this up um yeah we have a uh we have a website it's backwidow.com and we have an instagram which is um backwidow Okay. Um, and then obviously I have my, my athlete who's competing um, um, Friday, actually, who I'm super excited about, Keon Pearson. Okay. Uh, which is just a super and a phenomenal athlete. Um, we're really excited to see what happens. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah, wow. Okay. Hopefully your editing skills are really good, you know, or else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we can yeah, <laughs> <that's laughs> <be good. laughs> I'm uh, just going to zoom in on your face as you look it up. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 1835. I was right. I was right. Yeah, 1835. So, Awesome. Well, 1835 booth. Get a hold of Flex Wheeler at Black Widow. Um, and look his, him up on Instagram. Yeah, yep, my Instagram, Instagram is uh, official Flex, Flex Wheeler. And uh, my nutrition company for we'll real post his personal phone number. And like I said, so call him. Stan Efferding <laughs> used him to get his IFBB Pro card yeah. completely changed his training around. And Stan is just different, man. And you, it's amazing crying. to watch the hybrid of how Stan was able to blend the strength with the, with the bodybuilding. And it's amazing to listen to him with his diet, how it's very 
eerily similar. <laughs> you know, so I'm glad that what I'm works, kind of works. a hybrid off of Flex Wheeler. Yeah, what works kind of a childhood work. dream. Yeah, what works is work. And, you know, the other great thing about Stan is he, he's never hidden from giving me my respect of what I brought to the oh, table. Yeah. You know, I mean, some people are just don't do that. I won't, he talks I won't say the other person, yeah. you know, who's big in the bodybuilding world, but they stole his, uh, his uh, 10 minute walks. Uh-huh. And never mentioned that Stan was the first person who ever did it. So that person very known, now about 10-minute walks. And I'm like, that's Fuckers. your boy. He goes, yeah. And I'm like, God dang. He didn't even say your name. So he's like, yeah. people now think he owns it. And he goes, ah, it's okay. I'm like, it, but well, it's Stan, not okay. Stan talks about you quite a bit yeah. when you're not around. So I wouldn't worry about that. It's lies. You know, <laughs> those, those things that happen in Puerto Rico, I did not do. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, why don't all these him. rich people just fly overseas to do this it's stuff and they wouldn't get in trouble? Costs, you know, <laughs> cameras and technology yeah. works, you know. Less paparazzi. I yeah, guess. less chance for it coming back That's and knocking right. on your door. So. Well, all right, brother. We'll talk at you later. I appreciate it more than you know. No, I appreciate it. And I'm glad we were able to make it happen. And um, oh, yeah. I just want to say, man, you know, along with that, I've just been a huge fan of yours. Um, Thanks, man. It's great, like Stan, you don't see you coming because your intelligence yeah. is so far you know, superior to the way you look. So when you walk through the door, you just don't think yeah. that's going to happen. And you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of the threads where people are trying to give you a hard time, not even knowing how educated and intelligent oh, you are. But it's just it's amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just finally great to you know, have you here on your yeah. show. You know? well, we'll definitely do some more shit together. Yep, for sure. All right, homie. All right, bro. Awesome. All right. Thank you once again for joining us here on the Wedding Strength Podcast. Don't forget to check out WeddingStrength.com and WeddingStrengthMedia.com for all of your training needs. And while you're at it, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you get a chance, give us a five-star review. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time on the Wedding Strength Podcast.